Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome NBA strategy show. I'm Dave Lochran with me, Greg Ehrenberg, here to break down a one-game, single-game showdown slate for the National Basketball Association. Well, we're down to one-game slates. No more two-game slates. They're all in the books. We've had some phenomenal ones as well. Clippers, Nuggets, game one of Miami-Boston, taking it to overtime. Well, Here's the thing, Greg. We still have a $350,000 Thursday shoot around on DraftKings today. FanDuel's got some monster contests as well. $100,000 to first. So while there's only one game, we still have a ton to talk about because there's a lot of money to be won. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, too. I kind of thought coming into today that they were going to nerf the contest a little bit, not because of the one game slate, but because there's football on tonight also. So, I mean, we've seen that from in the past where they've just kind of done away with contests for any other sport i didn't really look at baseball to see what they did there but for basketball i'm pretty surprised how big the contests are i was very surprised when i pulled up the contest sizes thinking okay thursday night football it's the second thursday night football slate of the season there's got to be there's got to be a smaller prize pool but you know what nba continues to dominate like you've got you've got baseball you've got basketball and football uh, on DraftKings specifically, you have a one, uh, $1.5 million showdown slate today, $300,000 up top. Uh, and then the, uh, the, biggest, the biggest contest for baseball is the $100,000 uh, 25K to first relay throw. And that's actually a decent sized game or a decent sized slate. So, yeah, basketball continues to dominate along with football. I'm all about it. I mean, it, basketball and football, my two favorite DFS sports as well, two favorite sports to bet. Um, we can dive right into it, actually, starting with the Boston Celtics here. Again, we had an awesome, awesome barn burner on – well, I shouldn't say a barn burner. It came down to the, to the final few seconds of this one. Uh, 43 minutes for a lot of – 43-plus minutes for a lot of your starters in Boston. They dropped this 117 to 114. Jimmy Butler, just another fantastic clutch performance. 22 seconds to go in the fourth. He hits the, the game-tying shot. Um, they, they send this game to overtime and then Butler gets to the rack with a few seconds left in, in overtime and gets the, the foul. I mean, he's so good, Greg. Uh, we'll talk about him in a moment, but I want to start with I want to start with Kemba Walker and really drill down on, on what we're seeing with him. 
game has a 209 and a half total. The, the Boston Celtics opened at two, they're or minus two. They're laying two and a half points now, which makes sense. I don't think any of us would be surprised if this game goes to uh, this series goes seven. But Kemba Walker, despite such a terrible performance, let's break him down because there's a lot to, to really read into in, outside of just saying, well, yeah, he hasn't shot well. 63% of his 19 field goal attempts were either open to wide open according to NBA stats, right? So open will be four to six feet. Wide open is six plus feet. 12 of his 19 shots were open or wide open. So it's not like Miami completely shut him down. As a matter of fact, defensively, while they, while they do a very good job with that zone defense of, of, of making life miserable for most guys on the court, Kemba Walker has some of the best matchups going up against these guards. Their backcourt defense is the one weakness that Miami has. We saw Bam Adebayo with the ridiculous block, uh, basically hand almost bent backwards uh, to seal that game. Uh, Jason Tatum still strong, but good, solid defense on him. Jimmy Butler, we know what he does. But let's, yeah, let's kick it off with Kemba Walker because there's a lot of elements here that stand out to me as, hey, this guy could have had a really big game. He just missed a lot of good opportunities. Yeah, I think we're kind of on the same page here because, uh, I mean, the Building Blocks article I wrote for today's slate on, on awesomeo.com, I have Kemba Walker's my favorite. That's a free article too, I believe, if everybody wants to check that out. Uh, yeah, and I, I think it goes up because I, I scheduled the day ahead and then there's the time difference or whatever. So it probably just went live on the site. Um, but Kemba Walker is my favorite payup option on the slate. And like you said, he got a lot of open looks. And the, the thing I'm just starting to wonder is why is he not played well in the playoffs? I think the Toronto series is a little excusable because they have arguably the best perimeter defense in the league, right? He was he's getting checked by Kyle Lowry a lot. And I, I think it was reasonable to expect that he wasn't going to be the normal Kemba Walker in that series. This series I expect to be different. And I understand game one didn't go his way. And Maybe there's something going on with his knee, right? Because he had all those games in the, in the bubble where he played limited minutes, getting ramped up for the playoffs where, uh, where the knee seemed to be an issue maybe. But still, like, I looked at him in last game. There was a lot of sharp step backs. There was a lot of sharp cuts. He looked healthy to me. The shot just didn't fall, which happens from, the, from time to time. But I'm still just looking at it as he got a lot of open looks. He didn't make them. It's not like he was clamped down or there's some ridiculous defense played against him. So I think the opportunities there, the 8,200 price tag on DraftKings makes sense. I think he's a reasonable captain option, uh, especially because there just aren't that many cheap plays that I feel all that confident in. I think that rostering him at captain over a guy, you know, like Jason Tatum or, or Jimmy Butler, I think those salary savings make sense. So do I. And if you take it a step further, he was second on the team in usage uh, in the first game, 28.2% behind only Jason Tatum. And he led the team in potential assists with 10. That's not a huge number for a guard, but they moved the ball around pretty well. Uh, if you're giving me team leading uh, potential assists, probably leading assist rate, uh, and then on top of that, one of the highest usage rates, maybe the highest usage rate on the team uh, in a game like tonight, it's hard for me to get away from him when you're getting these type of discounts. Uh, you know, comparing him to, to Jason Tatum, he's a $2,200 discount if you're talking utility spot in the captain spot. Tatum's 15-6 and Walker's 12-3. So there's a pretty big di disparity there. Uh, and I think it's a really good spot to get to. Uh, I also think, Greg, I, I don't have much doubt that people who are good DFS players are not really going to be worried about, uh, about what we've seen from him. Now, maybe there's the concerns of, all right, well, is he injured like you said? But I saw what you saw, some solid cuts, 
he, nobody can shake a defender like Kemba did. And he did. Like, it, it, he was getting open looks. He just couldn't knock them down. So I, I'm, I'm not concerned about that. I think good DFS players uh, are, are going to be pretty cognizant of, of what type of value you're getting in him. But I also think that you might see ownership come down a little bit, uh, just simply knowing that a lot of people might want to get away from that, given how he's played lately. Uh, pulling up ownership now to see if we have an updated. No, okay, we're not updated yeah. yet. When we are updated, I'll let you know. Uh, but what about what about Jason Tatum? Came out of game one with a 31.1% usage rate. That last shot that almost won the game or tied the game in overtime, he fell down. He got doubled. Still got a pretty decent shot off. I was pretty surprised by that. He's now dropped 60-plus drafting points in three straight games. 29 plus points, 14 plus rebounds in all of them. Uh, and he's playing monster minutes. I don't think we should expect anything differently today. Uh, it's more so a matter of, hey, Jason Tatum's the most expensive player in this game. So on the slate. Uh, and is it going to be easy enough to get to him and, and still make things work? Yeah. So here's the interesting thing about Tatum is not only are the minutes huge, the usage is huge. And obviously, like you said, three straight games of over 60 uh, DK points. He hasn't even been efficient. I mean, you look at the last few games, uh, 33% shooting from the field, 43%, 39%, 42%. There's an argument to be made that there's a higher ceiling than what he's shown because uh, the rebound numbers are also ridiculous right now, which kind of makes sense in the playoffs because the Celtics don't have a real traditional big man. I mean, they have Tice who they play a decent amount of minutes. Uh, then they play Robert Williams some minutes, but it's not like either one of them are terrific rebounders. And it looks like what's happening is just we have Tatum getting a ton of boards. This is five straight games for him with a double-double. So I think that's probably here to stay. Uh, the defensive numbers, maybe those regress a little bit, but his assist numbers are up in the playoffs. I mean, he's just been ridiculous. He's doing everything. Uh, I don't have any issue paying up for him because I think we kind of need to start putting him in the same category as, you know, the other real stars of the league in terms of how good of fantasy producers they are. Where I think this starts to get a little more interesting with Tatum and his price tag is when Gordon Hayward comes back. Hayward has been upgraded to doubtful for this game, so I assume he's not playing, but that's just something to keep in mind is that is that Gordon Hayward not officially ruled out. Yeah, and whereas Kemba saw 63% of his shots either open or wide open, uh, Tatum, again, this shouldn't be a surprise uh, given what type of defense that they've, that they've um, deployed on him. 63% of his shots have been either tight or very tight uh, coverage, but you mentioned if he's doing what he's done without being efficient, imagine when Kemba does have an efficient, or I'm sorry, Tatum, Tatum. does have an yeah. efficient game. Nine of 21 shooting, nine of 23, 10 of 24. He's getting to the line a decent amount too, so that's going to open things up. Um, as far as stocks go, five stocks last game, two, four uh, over his last three. He's going to provide big lines across the board, and when you can guarantee, I shouldn't say guarantee, but when you can pretty much lock in those peripheral stats, you can have slightly less efficient games and still get where you need to go. Early in the year, if someone told you you were paying 10-4 for Jason Tatum in any spot, you'd call them crazy. Uh, but the maturation we've seen, particularly in the postseason here, I'm with you. He's worth it. Uh, let's talk about the rest of, of, of the Boston Celtics, and then I want to get to Brad Wanamaker, who actually had some pretty surprising numbers in game one. Marcus Smart, wouldn't say he was the hero in game one, but He's, he's an absolute dog defensively, one of, the one of the best in the league. And it's like maybe he'll finally be a household name after the postseason, but he hasn't been up until this point, unless you're an avid basketball fan or a Boston Celtics fan. 
he's playing huge minutes again. You know, 43 minutes as most of this Boston team played last time out. 26 points on nine for 18 shooting. Marcus Smart attempted 13 threes. And I hate to keep going back three games, but there's some interesting trends. Craig, he's attempted double-digit three-pointers in three straight games now. Marcus Smart. Now, we've had some overtime affairs. We'll factor that in. But this guy's shot volume is actually getting up there. And in game one, he comes out of that with a 25% usage rate, which for him is as high as you're ever going to get. So here's my concern with Marcus Smart is as he's shooting more, he's doing less of other things. I mean, the steal numbers will kind of always be there for him. Uh, the rebounds haven't really been there in the playoffs with all the boards that Jason Tatum soaking up. Uh, the other thing, too, is that Jason Tatum is playing more of a, of a facilitator role. There was only one, assist, only one assist for Marcus Smart last game. That's a little bit of a concern. Also, with Kemba Walker generating more open shots, I think that we're going to see a little bit more usage and more ball handling from Kemba Walker, easier matchup for him this series. I think that's going to take away from Marcus Smart as well. So I look at Smart. I think that he's viable. Uh, there's just other guys I'd rather roster in this price range. Uh, I'd rather get the $600 for Kemba Walker, or I'd just rather go cheaper and try to save the the salary. So Marcus Smart, even with all his usage and the better shooting, he's been you know in between 26 to 32 fantasy points in almost every single playoff game so far, which is fine. I'm just not sure if he has the upside to win a tournament outside of one of those you know crazy triple double performances that he puts up once every three weeks. Yeah, and only four potential assists last game, the same as, as Daniel Tice. So he's definitely not being used as a facilitator. He, he is a jack-of-all-trades. I don't think you'd disagree there, uh, right? He's a Swiss Army knife of, of an NBA player. But, yeah, it, he, you're relying on field goal shooting, and you're going to be sacrificing other statistics for, for scoring. Now, to be fair, it's not like Marcus Smart has ever been uh, the best at piling up peripheral stats, but uh, there does seem to be a trade-off here. Um, Jalen Brown last game was, was largely shut down. He was very quiet. And some of that can be attributed simply to the fact that Marcus Smart was hitting most of his shots, was getting easy opportunities. Uh, Kemba Walker, despite all of the misses, like I said, had a ton of good looks. They made the right plays. They got the ball into the right hands. It just didn't convert, even though um, they dropped 114 points. Jalen Brown, 6 of 14 shooting in 44 minutes. His usage came in at 17.3%. So among the, the starters, not including Tice, he was the lowest by a wide margin. Does, does Jalen Brown get back on the horse today uh, and, and, and start contributing like he has in the past? Or should we be looking at a spot against Miami where I don't want to say he gets phased out, but maybe they give more opportunities to Kemba and, and, and Jalen Brown is a little bit quieter than he is and maybe not worth this, this $8,600 salary. So of the, I guess we're going the big four of the Celtics, Tatum, Walker, Brown, and Smart, per dollar, Brown is my least favorite of the four. This has kind of been the case all through the playoffs with, with mixed results. He's had some okay games. He's had some very big games that I wasn't on him and it killed me, and I hope this isn't going to be the case again. But, I mean, just think of it this way. Kemba Walker's $400 cheaper than Jalen Brown. If we were earlier in the season – and all things else equal, this wasn't a spot where Kemba Walker had a minutes restriction or anything. It would have seemed crazy to roster Jalen Brown at a more expensive price tag than Kemba Walker. And I don't feel any differently about this now. Uh, for the season, Walker averages more fantasy points than Jalen Brown, even though he played less minutes because he was restricted for a while. So now that he's also cheaper, I also think this is an easier matchup. I expect the Heat are going to be you know, much worse against him and point guards, and they're going to be on the wing where they have, you know, they have Jay Crowder. 
they have Jimmy Butler to throw it to throw at Jalen Brown. Both those guys are much better defenders than players like Tyler Hero and Goran Dragic who are going to be guarding Kemba Walker. So I think this is a better matchup for Kemba Walker. He's cheaper, and I just view him as the better fantasy producer overall than Jalen Brown. So all that considered, I I can't really roster Jalen Brown confidently when he's more expensive than Kemba. Neither can I. I, I just can't. And if you were to look at at historical results just from the past several games or even week you might get some arguments there but it doesn't that, that's not really how this works I mean Kemba Walker was brought onto this team to be a clutch score somebody to 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 be able to operate with 30 plus percent usage in any given game in big games to knock down big shots and to get many of them Jalen Brown is really good and I think he's better than many people ever anticipated he'd be by this point of his career but it's really still going to be difficult to justify getting to him over Kemba Walker. And you know what, Greg, maybe we look back on this and we're wrong again. Maybe we look back on this and, and Jalen Brown continues to outproduce Kemba Walker. It's just a very difficult spot to get to all things considered. Yeah. I mean, there's a, uh, there's a handful of people on Twitter that remember that I said before the season, I thought the contract extension for Jalen Brown was grossly overpaying him. And uh, they still like to tweet at me every time Jalen Brown has a good game. That's this could be works. one of those spots. I've been getting a lot of those during the playoffs. So I'm, I'm not unaccustomed to them, but I, I still think that just, just relative to the slate, looking at the pricing, I don't think this is a terrific spot to roster Jalen Brown. What do you think about Brad Wanamaker who played uh, in the first half? Now he's just playing like single rotations in each half, but they've been pretty long first half. Uh, you had him come in with like a minute left in the first played all the way almost to the two minute mark in the second. Right. So he got 10 and a half minute rotation in the first half. Uh, and then in the second half, you're getting another 14 minute rotation from him. He ends up playing 24 minutes in this game. He had nine potential assists, which was second on the team only to Kemba Walker. So he actually uh, and surprisingly got a decent amount of opportunities to facilitate on this Boston Celtics team. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it was shocking, but you know, given that this is the conference finals, I, I wasn't sure that he would have, uh, you know, as many opportunities as he did. And mind you, that was in 24 minutes. He even had, get this, Brad Wanamaker in 25, sorry, 25 minutes, touched the ball 62 times, right? That was 21 times more than, Bra uh, than Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown had, 41 touches in 43 minutes, Greg. Uh, Wanamaker, 62 touches in 25 minutes. That's, that's a pretty remarkable number there, given the, the, the lack of playing time, getting almost half of the run Jalen Brown did. Uh, yeah, you know what really helped those touches was that he just kept passing him the ball. Like when Brad Wanamaker was like a magnet for steals. Yeah. There, was, there was so many Aaron passes that just went right to him. It's not that he didn't play decent defense. It's just... He just kept winding up with steals. I mean, 25 minutes, he had five steals. Yeah. And but even if you took those five steals yeah. away, 57 touches or whatever it is in 25 minutes is – and look, touches is not an end-all and be-all stat. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is he wasn't just standing uh, in the corner as, as Boston operated for the 25 minutes he was out there. Yeah, and that's also where a lot of his potential assists came from, was on fast breaks generated by those steals. Uh, obviously, I don't think either of us expect anything like that performance from him, but, but let's talk about the positives, because I do think that he is a good value play in this spot. Uh, dirt cheap. Yeah, he's dirt cheap. There's only a handful of players that are cheap in the playoffs that we could really rely on to play decent minutes. The reason being that teams just play really tight rotations. So if you just get anybody who's cheap that we could expect around 20 minutes or so from, they become a viable option in showdown because we need to save salary somewhere. 
And, uh, and Wanamaker is one of those guys that makes sense. So some of the reasons that we like Kemba Walker, I think we have to like Wanamaker also, right? Because the poor point guard defense from the Heat, that's one of the reasons that Wanamaker was able to create plays, have the ball in his hands a lot, because he had easy matchups. He was going up against Tyler Hero for, for uh, long stretches. And as yep. much as I think everybody loves Tyler Hero's offense, nobody's going nobody's gonna to stand up and say, hey, well, Tyler Hero is a great defensive player. I think we all know that, that that's a, a weakness for him. So there's going to be spots with Wanamaker. Whenever he's on the court, he's, he's going to have favorable matchups against Hero. He makes sense for that. Uh, also, 2,800. I think he's the best value play on this slate. Uh, there's other guys that I think are viable, but there's nobody that I'm as confident in playing decent minutes as I am Wanamaker. The other reason also is when uh, Tice fouled out in overtime, Brad Stevens put Wanamaker in. So that, that, that shows me he has a decent amount of confidence in Wanamaker, and I can't imagine there's going to be a spot where he's willing to play him in overtime and then just isn't willing to play him, you know, like 18 to 22 minutes in game two of regulation, especially because of how well he played last game. I believe Wanamaker only came in for like 30 or 20 seconds in overtime, and Grant Williams actually yeah, finished that. But, but he, st- he still came in, though, which yeah, He was to still me, in the rotation, yeah, sure. Just um, that he's in the, uh, in the rotation in overtime, th- that at least signifies to me that Brad Stevens has a good amount of confidence in Wanamaker. Yeah, and that's encouraging. He's only coming in at 19% ownership right now, which on a showdown is really low. Uh, 11th highest owned player on the slate. He's actually coming in behind Robert Williams. Where are you at on him? Uh, you know, it's pretty funny because my one concern with Wanamaker as I was thinking about the slate was what's the ownership going to be on him after that massive game he had? Way and I thought, ma- I, thought. I thought maybe Robert Williams would be a pivot play, but now given that Williams actually has more ownership than Wanamaker, uh, I mean, I'd, I'd prefer Wanamaker. Williams is in play, but I mean, you look at his last handful of, of games, uh, seven, eight, 11, nine DraftKings points. I think that he's a fine uh, source of value. And the other thing too is, I mean, even like 10 points at his salary isn't terrible for a showdown slate. Uh, but given that he has more salary than Wanamaker, I think Wanamaker is pretty clearly a stronger option. Yeah, and you know, the one argument for Williams over Wanamaker is that Williams on the season has been a one-plus fantasy point-per-minute guy, for sure. I think it's like 14 and a half DraftKings points in 13 minutes. Brad Wanamaker, you know, given his role, uh, a lot of off-the-ball play, is going to be less productive if he's not getting those steals. So I get that. You could get, if you got 15 minutes from Robert Williams, most of the time that's better than 19 or 20 minutes from Wanamaker. But uh, I don't think you can lock in those minutes for Williams at all. Before we move to uh, the Miami Heat, is there anyone else for Boston that you want to touch on? Uh, I think the only guys that we, we haven't talked about, Tice. Tice, yeah, Tice. He's, um, he's a little overpriced to me. Uh, I think the issue with Tice is, number one, just the foul trouble. He gets in foul trouble so often that it's hard for me to project him to play massive minutes. Uh, he did play 36 minutes last game and fouled out. But, I mean, the game before against Toronto, six fouls, only ended up playing 23 minutes. Uh, I think that he's kind of a boom-bust option just because that playing time. He, he's, there's been games where he picks up two fouls less than a minute into the game and, and comes off the court. So I look at him at 6,600. I'd rather pay up for the guards on, on Boston and go a little bit more stars and scrubs relative to the slate. Uh, if you had the 6,600 price left to fill in your last roster spot, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate playing Tice, but he's not, go- he's not someone I'm going on my way to target. On the other side, Miami coming off a very impressive overtime victory. Like I said, Jimmy Butler was, was spectacular not necessarily from a statistical standpoint. Like if you didn't watch this game, Greg, you'd say, ah, Jimmy Butler was okay. 
Uh, if you watched the tail end of this game, you'd say, oh, okay, so Jimmy Butler was one of the main reasons they won. Uh, and that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. He's outstanding. He's been a clutch guy. Uh, I watched him with the 76ers last year, single-handedly take over big games late in the fourth quarter. Uh, expect him to do a whole lot more of this as we go, for, uh, go forward into this Eastern Conference Finals. But he is pretty expensive. And among everyone on this slate, only Jason Tatum is more expensive. So it's, it's a little bit tougher for me to get there. As good as Jimmy Butler is as a player, uh, he hasn't really been providing us with the, with the statistical, the fantasy production that we would need. Uh, the, the shot volume, the, the usage has really not been that high. As a matter of fact, he had a 21% usage rate in game one. Goran Dragic led the team at 30%. Uh, there, there are a couple areas here that, that would have me a little shook to, to go heavy on Jimmy Butler here. Maybe you have a different opinion. No, it's, it's really hard for me to look at him and project him really well, just because like you said, the usage, it, it's been there in select playoff games, but there's been a lot of games too, where he just goes really long stretches without shooting. Right. I mean, like it, there, there are times where for fantasy kind of goes invisible. So last game, like you said, he was big down the stretch, but the 21% usage rating, he finishes with 37 DraftKings points. That's fine, but, I mean, you'd expect more from an overtime game. The game before that against the Bucs, he had an 18% usage rating. He only had six field goal attempts. The only reason he even got the 17 points in that game was because they fouled him a bunch at the end of the game with the Bucs trying to extend their season. So I look at these last few games for Jimmy Butler, and it's pretty concerning from a fantasy. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Standpoint, uh, I mean, overall, uh, let's see, last five games, 13 points, 30 points, 17, 17, 20. Generally, usage rating around 20%, as low as 17% in some of those games. It's hard for me to confidently say that I think that Jimmy Butler is a strong fantasy play in this spot because he's been much better for real life than he's been for actual fantasy during the playoffs. The 9,200 price tag, like you said, second highest pay, uh, highest price player on the slate. I'd, I'd much rather find the space to get up to Jason Tatum. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. It helps us greatly. I know we don't have a ton watching a, an early morning showdown slate, but here we are making it happen. Um, so let's get to the rest of, of Miami here. J, uh, Bam Adebayo was stellar in that opening spot or in that, in that opening game, eight to 10 free throws, got to the line 11 times, which is really impressive. 43 minutes, uh, five of 12 shooting. He wasn't super efficient as a shooter, but, I don't know the guy, everything he gets is within three to five feet of the basket anyway, but he has proven to be one of the most versatile uh, big men in the league right now. It's kind of funny. You look at the nuggets, they have argued, no, they have the most versatile uh, big men in basketball and Bam Adebayo has really blossomed into one of those. He's become a good passer. He has very good vision with the ball in his hands down low um, rebound wise. He's not, he's not the most elite, but he's been out, he's been huge on the boards in big spots. He can block shots. He'll grab a couple steals, and he's also going to have some pretty solid scoring games as well because he gets such high efficiency shots every single game. 
it's it's actually not shocking to me, Greg, that Bam Adebayo is getting the second most ownership on this slate, just given what he's capable of doing. Like, if it's if I'm going to him or Jimmy Butler, I think most people wouldn't have assumed this at the beginning of the year, but I, I like somebody like Bam Adebayo more at, at a pretty comparable price point because across the board, he's just producing big numbers, 12 rebounds, eight assists in game four against, uh, against Milwaukee, six and nine against Boston in game one, 16 and three against what 17 and six, 19 and six, 11 and five. The list goes on his peripheral production. Um, these auxiliary stats have been absurd for somebody uh, that, that, that plays at his position. Yeah, so Bam Adebayo has at least 43 DraftKings points in all but three of the Heat's playoff games. And the reason you said it's because of all those other stats. So when you're able to do everything, when you score, you rebound, you assist, you get defensive stats, there's a very high floor for your fantasy production because even if one facet of your game is off, there's not going to be a situation where all of them are off, right? The only way that Bam Adebayo really busts in the playoffs is he gets into foul trouble. It's happened to him in a couple of games, but every game he has gotten into foul trouble, he's crushed. The, the Celtics, I view, is a pretty easy matchup for him because the one, the one weakness of the Boston team is, is their interior defense, where Daniel Tice is okay, but he gets into foul trouble a lot. He doesn't really have a lot of size. And just physically and athletically, I think it's a matchup that Bam Adebayo should be able to dominate in the series. We saw that at times during, during the first game. We, I mean, we definitely saw it on the final uh, game-ending sequence where he got the block. That was one of the best blocks I've ever seen. I was thinking about it in my head, and – of blocks I can remember, I, I, I think it's third. I think that the LeBron James block has to be one, Tayshawn Prince two, and then the Bam Adebayo block. Uh, there's been some other big blocks, like there was the uh, a LeBron blocking Tiago splitter, but that didn't have nearly the same implications. Given the, given the situation in this game, I thought that was one of the best blocks I've ever seen. I think that Adebayo is a terrific fantasy play today. I think he's a better play than uh, Jimmy Butler, also $400 cheaper. I would prefer Bam even if they were the same price. Uh, is there any other blocks that you would put up there that you could remember as being better postseason blocks? I don't know. I just love that. I love that you just referenced Tiago Splitter. That's fantastic. Uh, I love love Tiago Splitter. <laughs> you know what's really funny is so when I was in high school and I thought that like PER was a really good metric, I had Tiago Splitter on so many fantasy teams because he was a guy. <laughs> he he was like top ten in 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 player efficiency rating for. I don't know how many years in a row, but I just always had this. I always had this idea where it was like, oh, if something happens where the Spurs decide they're going to play Tiago Splitter a bunch of minutes, he's going to crush for fantasy. And yeah. I was always, I was always outraged when I was like 15 years old. I'm like, how come Tiago Splitter isn't playing 30 <laughs> minutes per game? I took him, I took him at the end of all my fantasy drafts. Where's all the production? Uh, and that's awesome. So anyway, I, I think about Tiago Splitter way more than uh, most people do. Him, him and Walter Herman are the two most random players that come to my mind. A lot. It's funny you mentioned the throwback players. I, uh, I tweeted a video of Jamal Charles yesterday just to get off topic for a moment. And I had watched it a bunch of times. I, he's my favorite running back ever. Might be my favorite football player ever. I just love Jamal Charles. Um, and I was looking at the bottom ticker and it was like Fred Jackson, 12 for 95, Joseph Adai, six for 50. And it, uh, it brings you back, man. Time just seems to go so quick with football. The turnover rates crazy where, you know, when you're living in that point in time, every, everything's normal. You look back, it feels like yesterday that these guys were in the league, and it's been years from now that Jamal Charles was, was an elite runner, that Fred Jackson was getting 20 carries a game for Buffalo. Time goes fast in the fantasy world, man. Long live Frank Gore. You know, you know the other, the, the other yeah, thing Frank, about that is – Frank Gore was it, still there. I was watching a video Charles. back from uh, 2000 
uh, one, and Frank Gore was <laughs> was yes. on the ticker too. Yeah, when, when he first started playing, they had those flat helmets, you know, with the <laughs> with no ears. Um, yeah. With Jamal Charles, I could be wrong on this. I think of every player in NFL history with a minimum of three hundred carries. I think he leads everybody in yards per carry. I, I think I think that's he does. Okay, he does. good. Yeah, he he was he was ridiculous. He averaged like six yards per carry almost every year he was in the league. I, so my tweet, and don't worry, we're getting right back to basketball. Uh, just a little reminiscing here. My tweet was, God, I miss Jamal Charles. He would have been one of the greatest. Like, if he didn't have those two non-contact ACL tears, there's no doubt in my mind that when you mention, okay, who was, who, give me like top five greatest running backs ever. He would have been on there. Um, can you imagine him in Andy Reid's offense right now in his prime? He'd be a 2,000-yard yeah, rusher. Yeah, the, I mean, it, it's just it's just so hard for running backs to stay healthy, especially ones that were I'm, I'm pretty sure he was smaller, if I remember correctly. He wasn't big. No. And he was pretty he was pretty thin, but he was he had some of the best balance you'll ever see. He could bounce off defenders. He'd hit holes. His acceleration was out of this world. Um, it just sucks. There's someone said, oh, he was fragile. He was too small. Like, both of those injuries were non-contact. It just so happened that his his knees were bad, you know, and it's a shame, but yeah, he had, he averaged five plus yards per attempt. I think three or four straight seasons. Yeah. Um, one, no one's won me as many fantasy titles as Jamal Charles. Who's won you more fantasy titles than anyone else. Let me know in chat too. If you guys are in there, if you off the top of your head, who's been your most productive fantasy star that you've drafted every year. You know, what's funny is for, uh, if they could go hand in hand, it was the it was the Larry Johnson Jamal Charles combo for me back in the day. Two thousand nine, because because yeah. Larry John because Larry Johnson took over once Jamal Charles kind of went down and the no, other way around. Up, other oh, way. other way around. Uh, uh, Larry but, Johnson yeah. called his coach the f word, and they kicked him. Yeah, and I mean we could go down a whole a whole rabbit hole with all the stuff surrounding uh, Larry Johnson. If anybody follows him on Twitter, but yeah, either way, he was he was a very good fantasy player though. Yeah. Oh yeah! If you follow, <laughs> you follow him on Twitter. You're in for it, baby. <laughs> yeah, Tommy G and Larry Johnson hooking up. It's been a wild world. 2020 has. All right, let's dive back into uh into this game and we'll wrap it up with uh the, with Miami. We we talked about Bam. We talked about Butler. We're all, I think we're on the same page there. Let's get into Goran Dragic. Goran Dragic. I think I mentioned to Adam. Uh, at the be at the beginning of our Tuesday morning show, Goran Dragic in his first playoff game this season was like 4,800. Okay, 4,800. Last game he played, it's a two-game slate, which is why I'm mentioning this so we get some some context. 7,600. He was 8,800 before that. Your, Goran Dragic's price point has soared. I mentioned a minute ago he had the highest usage rate on the team last time out. Played 39 minutes. It is the most minutes we've seen Goran Dragic play in quite some time, Greg. Uh, and he has been pretty effective. He's going to have some ugly games. They got a lot of people. They got a lot of, lot of players that can that can command the ball, specifically Jimmy Butler. Even Bam Adebayo getting a lot of uh, pass playmaking opportunities. But all in all, Goran Dragic has been good. He is seeing the usage, um, and he is going to be out there for a lot of minutes. Is his, is his price tag prohibitive yet, or is it still a spot where we say, you know what, just keep running him out there because he looks way different than he did in the regular season? Yeah, I think there's a good case to made his price tag should be higher. By the way, because I looked it up while you're talking, 4400 price tag for Goran Dragic was what it was in the first, which is totally ridiculous to think now. 
which players cashed in more on a, on a pending free agency this year, like Goran Dragic? Yeah, this oh, is yeah. a, this inverse Montrez Harrell. All the money that Montrez Harrell was going to get, Goran Dragic is going to make. And all the money Goran Dragic was going to make is going to be Montrez Harrell now because those guys have gone in way opposite directions heading into free agency. Was this um, one? Was Montrez Harrell's uh, postseason performance one of the, the, the most surprising and underwhelming performances we've seen in a long time? Like, given what we saw out of him in the regular season? Uh, so I'm in, I'm in a, a playoff fantasy basketball league where we just draft guys from the start, and you have to balance multiple things, right? You have to try to balance how deep are these guys going to go into the playoffs, how productive are they going to be? I do it for I NFL think- every year. Yeah, okay. you're, you're, yeah, for sure. And you got bye weeks in the NFL, which makes it even more complicated. But I know what you're saying, yeah. Uh, the point being, I took Montrezl Harrell in the third round. So how surprising mm-hmm. was it? It was surprising to me, for sure. That was, that was totally what killed my team. Uh, that and I had the first overall pick and took Giannis. So my team really sucked this year. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, Montrezl Harrell's killed his value going into free agency. Massive disappointment. Was out of shape to start the playoffs. And once he got into shape, he sucked anyway. He was solidly outplayed by Ivica Zubats and just never got those minutes back. As for what it relates to Goran Dragic, he has stepped his game up in the playoffs. Uh, like you said, the usage rating. He has a usage rating over 25% in every single playoff game except for game three against the Bucs. Uh, fantasy production is at least 31 fantasy points in every game except for uh, game five against the Bucs. So I just look at all of that, the solid production. Also, the, the ceiling is pretty substantial for him. There just aren't bad games that Goran Dragic has in the playoffs. His role is massive on this offense, and I, I think he makes for a solid fantasy option. So do I. Jeremiah says Lafayette getting deep. I guess that was from a minute ago. I just love football, man, and uh, it's fun to look back on all of those seasons. That's all. How about uh, Duncan Robinson? He had a he had a three point prop of two and a half, uh, and the 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 over was juiced to like minus one fifty or something. He shot two of seven on the day, played only seventeen minutes. We're beginning to see potentially a bit of a trend here in Duncan Robinson playing time, Greg. Uh, if you look at at what else we saw. So in the starting lineup, you had uh, Bam or Dragic, Butler, Robinson, Crowder, and Bam Adebayo. Tyler Harrow came in after two minutes and 45 seconds. Granted, Duncan Robinson was in foul trouble. And then he got in foul trouble again in the second quarter, played only 30 seconds before picking up that third foul. Then he picked up his fourth, but it was um, – it was late into the third and then played five minutes and 51 seconds in the fourth. Tyler hero did in fact, close this game out. Um, and that's kind of interesting here. He also played almost the entire overtime period. I'm assuming they took him out right at the end for rebounding purposes, but uh, he played 40 minutes in this game, a little over 35 in regulation. What are we doing with Tyler hero? All right, so uh, I think these two things have to go hand-in-hand, hand, talking about Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. Uh, Hero came in a cis shy of a triple-double last game, uh, last couple games, 41 DraftKings points, 37. I think he's a viable play. There's a little bit of variance there uh, just because I, I think he's a guy who, if he's not making his shots, and he shot 50% from the field each of the last two games, which he isn't going to keep doing. If he's not making his shots, a couple of things are going to happen. Number one, uh, he just doesn't really produce generally a ton outside of shooting, even though he did have the nine assists last game. Uh, in the regular season, he was kind of a guy who either makes his shots or doesn't, and then he busts for fantasy. The other thing, too, is if he isn't making his shots, it's hard for me to think the playing time is still going to be the same for him. If he, if he is you know, struggling to make some of those difficult threes that he, that he takes, 
then we could see him play, you know, 28 minutes or something like that instead of the 40 minutes he got last game, which is a huge difference in how we project the the amount that he plays. And how, how this relates to Duncan Robinson, Robinson's arguably the best catch-and-shoot player in the NBA. He shot 44.6% from three in the regular season. And if there's a situation where Duncan Robinson is making his threes and Tyler Hero isn't, I think that we see Duncan Robinson close the game. It's not that crazy to think. I mean, if we go back three games ago, uh, Duncan Robinson played 39 minutes in a game against the the Bucks that they ended up losing. Uh, but that was a game where Duncan Robinson hit six threes. So he was making his shots. He stayed on the court. So I just look at the ownership projections we have for this game now that they're up and Robinson's coming in at 11%. With that considered, I think that he is the one cheap option on this slate that doesn't have ownership that has a, a chance at like legitimate upside. Right, like Semi Ojale doesn't have any ownership, but he's never going to have a good game. Duncan Robinson's the one guy who look at as a GPP player that can actually differentiate your lineup and put up a decent game if all goes right. For sure, yeah, good analysis there. You know, it's crazy. Tyler Harrow had nine assists last game. You know how many potential assists he had? I'm going to say nine. Nine. Yeah, <laughs> that is efficiency at its finest. I wouldn't expect that to continue. I don't know. I have some concerns about him at that price point. Like. If it's a decision between Goran Dragic and Tyler Harrow, you know, and eight because eight hundred dollars on a showdown slate, that's not a huge difference. I'm going Goran Dragic there. Now, what if your what if your decision is between say Marcus Smart and Tyler Harrow at seventy six and seven thousand? Yeah, I go with Marcus Smart. I do think that if everything goes right for Tyler Harrow, his upside is maybe a little bit higher. I just think his odds of hitting that ceiling are not very high. Whereas Marcus Smart, I think, is uh, much more likely to have a decent uh, outing. I'm just looking at the ownership difference. Uh, uh, maybe I feel a little bit differently because Marcus Smart's project for twice the amount of ownership. But with that said, I don't really love either of them at their price points. I think both of them are okay, but I'm not dying to roster either of them. All right, close us out here, Greg. We'll wrap this one up. Um, give me your thoughts on these players. You can go in whatever order you'd like. Jamison Crowder, sorry, Jay Crowder. I'm in football, football mode. Jay Crowder uh, played significant run last time out. I would assume he plays something similar today between 32, 34 minutes in regulation. Uh, so you've got him. You've got guys like Andre Iguodala, whose minutes have been pretty erratic, only 15 minutes last time. Someone mentioned Kelly Olynyk in chat, Kendrick Nunn. Uh, you don't have to go in depth with all of these guys, but since it's a showdown slate, we should cover everything. Uh, if there's no, if, if you don't like some of those guys, throw that out there. If there's any of them you do like, you think should be in these showdown consideration, we'll hit on that too. All right. So uh, Jay Crowder has at least 31 DraftKings points in five consecutive games. I think that he's a pretty safe option. Uh, he's not going to go for like 40 fantasy points or anything. But if if if, if you want to round out your roster with somebody who's safe, I think Jay Crowder is that guy. Uh, actually, per dollar, I, I prefer him to Tyler Hero. Uh, moving down to the cheaper guys. Here's the issue with Kendrick Nunn. He's not good, right? I, I mean, he, he goes out there, he runs around, he doesn't defend anybody. If he's not making shots, he's not, he's not playing defense. I just don't understand why he's still out there. He played 13 minutes last game. If you remember back at the beginning of the playoffs, he wasn't in the rotation. I think he's in danger of falling out again because he really struggled last game. He's not, pro he's not providing anything on offense. And if you look at his fantasy production, nothing there either. Um, one game against the Bucks with 14 DraftKings points, but outside of that, Six, six, five, three. I, I wouldn't roster Kendrick Nunn anyway, and I think that there's a chance that he plays zero minutes tonight. Uh, as for the other cheaper guys, Kelly Olynyk, minute, minutes are also a bit of an issue for him. At least he's a good fantasy producer when he's on the court. I mean, we saw him in the game against the Bucks have a game with 
uh, 26 fantasy points in 17 minutes. So he's not terrible as a flyer. Uh, Andre Iguodala is he, he's just not really producing much, uh, enough in the playoffs. He's getting minutes, but I kind of think he's washed at this point. Uh, he doesn't provide anything on offense in real life. He's still an okay defender, but it doesn't really lead to fantasy points. So I don't think there's a need to roster him. All right. By the way, call me cynical, but Tyler Harrow had 14 rebound opportunities. I, I can't get over these numbers. 14 rebound chances and 11 rebounds last game, nine potential assists and nine assists last game. He led the team with an 18% rebounding rate. Call me crazy, but I think he's due for a little bit of regression here. Those are insane efficiency numbers that I don't, I, I don't anticipate continuing, uh, especially not against Boston. But you know what? Prove me wrong, Tyler. I'm open to it. Final thoughts on this one. If, we're, uh, if I'm asking you, hey, you're playing one lineup, who is in your captain spot? And who are two guys that you feel must be in your lineup tonight? Who would it be? All right. So I'd say Kemba Walker in the captain spot. And I kind of feel like he's not going to be super popular there. And then the other two guys, I would say uh, Brad Wanamaker is a value play. And then Bam Adebayo is uh, as another pay up option. All right. Those are exactly my three. So I'll throw in another one. I'll go with, <laughs> I'll go with Goran Dragic. Okay. Uh, the, very simply because I, I want to have the, the usage there. Uh, and I know that while his assist totals have been a little bit erratic, he's still a, a ball handling guard that's going to get those chances. And and when you do, you know, like you said, Tyler Harrow was assist, an assist shy of a triple-double last game. There's no reason Goran Dragic can't do something similar. I'm not saying he's going to give us 12, assist, or 12 rebounds on 14 chances, but I do think there's, there's a ton of spot, uh, space there for him to run. And as you mentioned, there's probably still some meat left on the bone with that salary. So I'll throw Goran Dragic into the mix. You know what? Actually, let's do this. We had you, we put Kemba at the captain spot. We threw Bam in there. I threw Dragic, and we're throwing Wanamaker in there. Let's just close it out. We got two spots left. Wow, we have 9,100. Maybe that's why Brad Wanamaker isn't that popular, Greg, because <laughs> their salary. Yeah, Which, because I guess, you could do whatever. I, I guess that kind of makes sense, right? Because you think about this game, and as good as Tatum's been – he doesn't have a ridiculous price tag. And the other guys, there, there is no Anthony Davis. There's no James Harden. There's no right. LeBron James in this game. So, yeah, I guess it makes sense from that, from that standpoint is just that uh, it, we, we don't have a ton of stars for, for what we usually see to playoff series at this point in the season. It, it does make me think about this. Do I just throw Tatum in the captain spot and then Kemba at the utility spot? Because as much as I like Kemba, the 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 – the probability that he has a bigger overall game than Tatum, I think, I think is still pretty low. If I'm not losing anything by going to Jason Tatum at the captain spot and playing Kemba at the utility because I have Brad Wanamaker in there, uh, that to me makes a lot of sense. And if I do that right now, I get this lineup. Jason Tatum in the captain, Bam Adebayo utility, Goran Dragic, Kemba Walker, Jay Crowder, Brad Wanamaker. That's a pretty sexy lineup. There we go. And that's going to be duped by 10 million people out of uh, 10,000 entries or whatever today. But yeah, I think. But I th they're I pretty much gonna all be... good. I mean, it, it's, it's tough to differentiate at this point. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I would just say that for showdown, at least for me, because uh, when I play these, a lot of times I'll play like single entry or I'll just play one lineup. I don't play it like I play uh, other DFS contests where I'm entering 150 lineups. I generally try to leave salary on the table and just do something different. Just anything to make it so that I'm not duped with a ton of people and give myself a chance to win. 
Uh, so if you want to differentiate, I think that's the easiest way to do it is you go with something like Kemba in the captain spot and still roster Tatum and just leave salary on the table. Not that you have to leave like 4,000 in salary on the table or something like that, but just leave enough salary on the table to where it's a lineup that has a legitimate chance to win, but also isn't going to be duped by a, a million people. I think one of the potential plays here is just going to Duncan Robinson, not in the captain spot, but getting to him. If Duncan Robinson gets off to one of those starts where he hits four threes in the first five minutes, which he's done on multiple occasions, you're not going to see Spolster yank him from the game. So I think that would be my favorite spot to differentiate if I'm looking to do so. His ownership right now is very low. We'll end it here. If you're differentiating, if you're getting away and trying to be different, who is that one player you're going to? Can't be Duncan Robinson. You got to give me someone else. Well, sucks to sound Duncan Robinson because – once again, in the building block article I wrote that's free at awesome.com, I did write Duncan Robinson as a contrarian play. Well, I make uh, the rules around here, Greg. But, but so. you, you, do, you do make the rules, so what can I do, right? W one day when I'm in the captain's seat, I'll be putting somebody else on the spot <laughs> make them, and making them pick somebody different than who they wrote about. Um, <laughs> let, me, let me bring up the ownership list. Yeah, hand down the favor. Right? Uh, I'm going to go Jay Crowder. Uh, he's only coming in at 18% ownership right now. Like I said, uh, five games in a row for at least 31 DraftKings points. So that's a guy who, at least if he's not going to have that much ownership, there's, it seems like a pretty good amount of security there. And it just is going to set you on different players than what everybody else is rostering. I love it. Sounds good to me. Well, we went almost 50 minutes, but what do you expect? It's a fun breakdown here. Uh, and, and this should be a good game, a good slate. We got Thursday night football. We got Eastern Conference game, game two of the Eastern Conference finals. We got baseball tonight. So much coming up. We're glad to have you with us. Uh, and if you haven't done so yet, hit that like button. And before you go, keep this in mind. We got a lot coming up today. As I mentioned, we just banged out the strategy show. But coming up right now, in a few minutes, you got Josh Engelman breaking down. Uh, you know what? Man? Did somebody just switch this as I was reading it? Unbelievable. <laughs> Don't play that music. Yet. Josh and Adam on the MLB strategy show. Then I'll be back with Matt Savoca. It's a Thursday NFL strategy show, game-by-game game breakdown. Going to take us a while, but it's going to be fun. Then you got Matt Kajeski and Kyle Dvorak uh, on the FanDuel DFS strategy show for NFL. I told you we had a lot. MLB Live before a lot coming up with Emac and Jake. M NBA with Josh and Ryan. Uh, and then the NFL showdown live before lock with Alex Osimo Baker and Kyle Dvorak. You got no place else to be than right here at Osimo.com. We will see you back here tomorrow on the NBA Strategy Show. Mm -hmm.